fucking Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. It's just embarrassing. I don't know why the high voice ever. What's out. happened? Like the last couple of weeks, you've been like randomly critiquing your own voice during yeah. our rejoins. It's just it's embarrassing. I, mean, I don't know what happened. This is the press box. He's just doing his own self critique. He's just listening to these rejoins, oh, disgusted in his own voice. Apparently, yeah. the only thing I'm not disgusted is whacking that thing around because it is me. With Grady and Bischoff. He literally, it's the exact same. It's, it's, it's the exact mimicking. same. Ed was a was an actor at one point. He can mimic voices. <laughs> Child actor. On ESPN Las Vegas. Whacking that thing around. I haven't said that lately. Well, there's been no reason to. I don't even remember why I said that in the first place. What were we doing at that point? You didn't say that. Whacking that thing around. It's the exact, it's the exact same. same voice. Nope. Exact same voice. Nope. I have made a conscious effort to keep the voice down in terms of the high voice. I have that. I have made a conscious effort of. But that. then I ask you about Max Muncy making an error at second base. And, and all of a sudden, it's up here. Is that true? <laughs> I go high with the Dodgers. I don't think you actually do very much with the Dodgers. No. No, actually, you get sullen. Yeah, uh, That's a good word for it. I do get sullen. Or your recent two weeks of, ah, they're in first place. Who cares? So I don't know where that guy came from. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, one, no one likes that, like guy. that guy. You don't like that guy? No, that guy's no fun. Uh, well. Oh, okay. What are you going to do? The first bite. <laughs> the first bite is brought to you by me. The Raiders snap a 20-year drought without a postseason win. Oh, gotta get there. It's a long first. time. Did you see the tweet from Warren Sharp? He tweeted out last playoff win for, for the every Raiders? for every, oh, for team, every team, team in the NFL. And obviously, you have teams that won last year. The majority of teams have all won a playoff game at the latest 2015. The Giants last won one in 2011. The Bears and the Jets last won a playoff game in 2010. Washington's last playoff win was 2005. Then you get to the Raiders at 2002 for their last postseason win. Only two teams worse than that. The Miami Dolphins last won a playoff game in 2000. And the Detroit Lions last won a playoff game in 1991. 1991. Can you imagine that? The Raiders have gone 20 (laughs) straight seasons without winning a playoff game. And the Lions are a decade worse. It's impossible with the parody in the NFL. It's absolutely impossible. A decade worse than the Raiders. Like that's incredibly uh, bad. I mean, you know, you gotta give like you gotta give it up for incompetence. Like well, just they get literally, a, they get you, a golf clap and a standing no for incompetence. Two right. generational talents in Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson both were like at 31 years old. I'm good. Yeah, you guys have ruined the sport that I love. For me. So, are the Raiders going to win a playoff game this year? Are the Raiders going to make the playoffs that's, this year? Well, I think that's the, the I more think important that's question. question. Are they going to make the playoffs? They can't win without making them. So, the AFC has 12 teams that think they should be going to the postseason, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson and his suspension in Cleveland. Obviously, if he gets a whole season, the Browns aren't thinking they're going to the playoffs. But you have in the AFC East, Buffalo, New England, Miami. In the AFC South, Indy and Tennessee. In the AFC North, Baltimore and probably Cleveland. And in the AFC West, all four teams. That's 12 teams. There's only seven spots, which means there are going to be five teams that do not make the playoffs that as of today think they should think they should be going to the playoffs and honestly probably think they should win a game or more 
in the postseason as well. And right now, and what that means for the Raiders is either a, you can win the division, obviously, right? That's the best way to make the postseason is just win your division. They're the least likely according to sportsbook odds to win their division. It could happen, but that's probably not happening this year, which means you're fighting for one of the three wild card spots. And you're going to be fighting with teams like new England, the chargers, maybe Tennessee. the Broncos, Tennessee, Cleveland, yeah. Miami. Like it's not that the Raiders can't be better than most of those teams, but they're going to have to be better than basically all of those teams to make the postseason. Obviously you can get the seven seed and two can be better than you, but you're going to have to be better than six, five or six other legitimately good playoff teams legitimately good AFC teams that don't make the playoffs. You're going to be better than five or six other good teams to make the postseason. The bar to get to the playoffs in the AFC this year is very high. Like you've got to be really good yeah. to get there. I mean, I'm looking at these teams and you just said Tennessee, Cleveland, I don't know about with because of Deshaun Watson. So I, I still think the Chargers, I think still think the Chargers can win the West, but I'm also sticking with the Raiders in fourth place. Yeah. I, I think, Chargers can absolutely win the West. I still and stick with the. I still think with the Raiders. Sorry, Raider fans. If, if I if I'm predicting, I'm starting the season with them in fourth. So let me ask you this: How many AFC West teams do you think can actually make the playoffs? Two. Third, I, it's technically possible that all four could make it because there's three wild card spots right. now. That's that's highly unlikely. Shot. Two is possible, uh, no doubt about it. The two could happen. The problem, I think, though, for the AFC West is if you go by most like preseason strength of schedule metrics, Kansas City's in the top five. Raiders are right there in the top five. The Chargers are like at seven and like the Broncos have the easiest and they're like 13 or 14 or something like that. The AFC West schedules, not just because they play themselves, but the AFC West playing outside of their division is pretty difficult this year, which makes me think there's going to be at least one team that finishes under 500 and right. eight and nine, I guess it's possible, but very unlikely eight and nine gets you into the postseason. And I think there's a chance that two teams finish eight, and nine, nine and eight or worse. And that might be too far gone. I don't even know if what you've mapped out here, the nine, eight, nine and eight gets you in. That's yeah. no guarantee. Yeah. So what do you think the fourth place team in the AFC West? What do you think their record is this year? Fourth place team. Yeah. Seven and ten. Do you see any scenario that could be significantly worse than that? Oh, sure. Because I mean, they all play each other. So if one team just can't win within the right. division, yeah, absolutely. I, I this is the other part, and and to sort of go away from the playoffs and go to the opposite side of this potential uh, season. I think for all obviously Kansas City the least likely, but for the other three, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders, I think it's entirely possible one of those teams goes like five and twelve. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. They play each other twice, and if yeah. if they if one team just proves to be the fourth place team, no matter what, and not as good as others, they could lose a majority of those games. Plus, you just said, let's take the Raiders' top five schedule outside the division. If they can't get things done within the division, they could finish that. Right. I mean, there's no question. And that's what I'm I'm fascinated to see because because you can do this at the division level when you have four teams in the same division that all expect to win like ten games or whatever they expect to win. And then you also have outside of the division a total of 12 teams in the AFC that expect to have that 10-plus win season. There's going to be multiple teams 
that are going to have a bad season by what their expectations mm-hmm. are right now. And bad would be, I mean, five wins would be pretty atrocious. If you, I think for any of the teams in the AFC West. And it doesn't have to be them. No, it could be the Chargers. It could be the Chargers. It could be anybody. And that, to me, is the fascinating. And, and you can go outside the AFC West, too, right? Like if yeah, New England Cleveland. or Miami or depending on what Watson does, yeah. Cleveland, like any of these teams, if they go with five wins, then, Horrible. yeah, that's a nightmare scenario. And here's the other part of that. How bad would a season have to be for the Raiders or Broncos with first-year head coaches to fire their head coach? I don't think the Raiders would do that. 0-17? Yeah, I don't think they would. I think you got to. If they go 0-17, you have to fire him. I don't think so. I, don't I think, think he if would. they go 3-14, you have to fire him. Oh, I don't think he would. I no, don't think Davis would. no. I don't think Davis would fire McDaniels. You got to trust the process. You got to you. What you need is you need to get a lot of draft picks. Like the the Raiders haven't really tried that before to get a lot of first round draft picks. You got to rebuild this roster. You, in all seriousness, you think if they went zero and seventeen, I don't think he'd fire him. After really? One year. No, I don't think he'd fire him after one I year. I think you have it. I don't think he'd. Fire I, they're him. not going zero and seventeen. No, but I think, I don't think you they're would, going five and twelve. I think you would have to fire. Them I don't think he would because they won ten games last year, went to the playoffs. Went out and traded their have first to and, and second would round pick. Fit. Oh no, I think you have to. <laughs> have to and would if I think you. I don't absolute, think you would. Hell, I think you have to before you get to zero and seventeen. I think when you're zero and ten, you have to do it. I don't think he would. I'm because, just saying what I think he would do and what he man, would do. I don't like, think he would. I, in all seriousness, I three and fourteen. You've got to do it too, because they, again, they won ten games last year and a lot of overtime wins, a lot of close wins. They probably weren't truly as good as. A 10 win team, but they won 10 games last year. Then they went out in the offseason, traded away their first and second round picks for Devontae Adams, signed Chan- like they spent money in the offseason. If they take that big of a step back, I think you've got to say they're not this was a failure. Near, they're not taking near that step of back. I don't, not 0 and 17. No. I highly doubt 3 and 14. I do think 5 and 12 is possible. I do think that's a legit. It's weird though, because so well, I'm not going to say 12 and five, but so is 11 and six. Right, exactly. Yes, the the range of outcomes for a lot of these AFC West, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos, I think is pretty wide. The Chiefs, I don't think. I think their floor's pretty high. I'd be I'd be stunned if the Chiefs won less than eight games. Right, like if they went eight nine or nine and eight, I I'd be like, oh, but you could see that happening. But if the Chiefs won five, I'd be stunned. The other three. I'm actually thinking right now, one of them's going to be 5-12. and 12. Just probability says one of them's going to suck, or their record's going to suck. Maybe the team doesn't actually suck, but probability says the fourth-place team in the division's not going to be 8-9 or 9-8. and eight. Like, you're going to have somebody that loses a lot more than wins. Right. So 8-9 would sort of be a, oh, that sucked, but you're bringing everybody back. I would be, man, I'd be curious to see if they won, like, three, four games, what they did. Because I think they'd stick with there's it. no way to spin it. There's zero way you well, can spend three or four wins. You can spin it if some key, key guys hurt for the season in like the first week. Well, yes, obviously, I mean, if Carr breaks goes, a bone in week one, yes. And like doesn't come back. Right, yes. And same with Denver. If That's Russell Wilson tears his ACL. Peterman. He's been in the system. <laughs> if Wilson tears his ACL in week one, then everything's out the right. window everything's for Everything's off the table. Right, you're basically worse than you were last season, right? But I don't even know who the backup is. Is it Teddy? I think it's Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, all right. Um, but no, oh no, he's in Cleveland. Uh, but that is, <laughs> but that's my like that's my thought is that assuming there's no like car plays 
14 plus games or whatever. Devontae Adams plays 14. Assuming there's no significant, wow, the team had to play its fourth string left tackle instead of Colton Miller or something. If you win three or four, there's zero way to come back and say, well, this is why it happened. We're going to do better next year. It's like, how, how are they going to do better next year? They're going to have less cap space, aren't they? They've, yes. they've put, I mean, Carr and Adams cap space goes even, from like 25 combined well, million to like 60 million. And they haven't even year. signed guys they are about to sign to extensions. Right. So like if they won three or four, there's zero way to spend it. And the other part of winning three or four, like we talked about, Carr and Adams have one-year contracts at the moment. Right. Right. So they win three or four, those two guys might not be back. Right. And maybe you spend it as, well, Starting we, over. we gave it a shot. Now we're going to draft a Now we're going to draft a quarterback. At at how many losses in the first 10 games do the sycophantic wing of the uh, media start going, well, I mean, it's Carr's first year in the system. Because that's that's my favorite excuse for poor play that I've that every year. If but. they're three and fourteen, no. If they're eight and nine and miss the playoffs, sure. But if you're three and fourteen, no. you suck. But what I'm saying is, when do we first start hearing about it? Like if they go five and five through the first ten? Oh yeah, any any time he has a bad game, you're going to hear that. Okay. <laughs> Because yes. that's that's my favorite excuse. Like Anytime, he's, and you're gonna, he hasn't been playing imagine, football his entire right. life. Imagine if they lose their opener to Chargers. Well, it's new system. Right. They're oh, one. It's you're going to hear it. Yeah. Even if they win and he plays poorly or something, you're going to hear. Anytime he does something, you're like, well, he's just learning the system. You'll have the people that come on and be like, in his nine seasons, he's had six different offensive coordinators. Give him a right, break. Right. It's like, well, he should be used to the change, shouldn't he? Should be well, and it's also like so. Uh, a sh- a nine route is now a streak in this system. Okay, like, hard, they, hard to hard to learn, Jared. They got to go to the park. Zay Jones he's gotta, is, is he's got a thesaurus out, and he's like, yeah. he's got to he's got to get to the park with Devontae Adams if you want this to work. Coming up next, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with the NBA? I'm still learning. In the first two quarters, I played very bad. Uh, you know that that's on me. Uh, but I'm still learning, and I think you know after this season is done, whatever we are, I think. I'm going to look back, you know, and learn a lot of things, you know. It's my first time in conference finals in the NBA. I'm 23, man. I'm still learning a lot. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, how do we fix basketball? Wait, this sucks. Uh, we just pray that this is a one-off. This sucks. This is a horrible. disaster. It's the terrible. conference finals have been terrible. The, the best we've gotten is the the Warriors have had a comeback, right, where they were down, mm-hmm. like, 10 or whatever, but they still ended up winning by, like, 9. <laughs> I think they still covered. And <laughs> I think they did. And we got a Jimmy Butlerless half right. where the Celtics tried to erase a 15-point right. deficit, and I think they got within four a couple of times. And that's it. We have not had anything remotely close to resembling a close game. And I don't know exactly what the NBA needs to do, but... You're right. This this really needs to be a one-off because ultimately the NBA is an entertainment product, and when you have we're we're like at ten or eleven straight days. Oh, it's with brutal. like one brutal. game decided by single digits. They um, I got to it late last night. I well in the first quarter. By the time I got there, it was like twenty, and I'm like, it, all right, well, yeah, back was, to baseball, back to hockey, the, back to hockey. Well, the Miami Heat. Did not make a field goal until there were three minutes and twenty seconds left in the, the first, first quarter. quarter. It was they played almost eight full minutes without making a shot. They went to the free throw line, and I was like, "All right, finally!" And then they missed. <laughs> they went what one of two? 
Yeah, Bam Adebayo had their only point for the first eight minutes and 40 seconds <laughs> yeah, of the game. Yeah, it was literally, he had two shots. He got one. <laughs> they missed their first 14 shots from the floor. It was over. I mean, it was, it was over at the, they were, Boston was up 18 or whatever it was at the end of the first quarter, and, and the game was over, which has been pretty much every single game in the conference finals. One team has one big quarter, and that's the game. And that's it. Like, sometimes we're lucky, and they wait until the third quarter to do it, but Usually there's one big quarter and, and the game's over and it's not a fourth quarter. It's not like, oh, they went on a great five minute run. Right. The it's game. not like tied going into the fourth. Right. It's, and oh, there's a big, they crushed run. them in the first or exactly. they crushed them in the third exactly. and, and it's over. It's like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but the, there's the other strange part of this is it's not like one team is significantly better than the other Boston and Miami keep exchanging blowouts. Right. So it's not like, oh, well, Boston's just too good. Nobody can compete with them. No, they just keep getting blown out and then followed up by blowing out Miami. And it's it's a nightmare. A lot of it, a lot of the lopsided games have been three-point shooting where one team will hit 45%. Right. And one team will go one of 20. 19%. Right. That, that didn't happen last night. Both teams didn't shoot. Boston did not play very well last night and won the game by like, like 20. Yeah. But a lot of it's been three-point shooting. But last night wasn't. And like Kyle Newbeck tweeted this out, which is is kind of how I feel as well. He said, watching the playoffs and thinking about rebranding as one of the boomers who think they should remove the three-point line entirely. I've had the same thought. I'm like, we have, that's what's doing, that's all the playoff games are. That's what. Who has, hits the 10 threes first? You win. That's what this nonsense has pushed you right? to. Right. It's pushed you over the edge. Because I want some close basketball yeah, it's games. Pushed you, if, you're, if you're on the side of getting rid of the three-point line, you have been pushed <laughs> over the edge into the ocean. Really? Yes. I mean, for you to say that, uh, given how much you like the you know the modern game and three-point line, then, and the Warriors and what they can do, um, and how much you love that, this is really just I'll, played with your I'll mind. Take, for 48 minutes if it means oh, we have a two man. if we have a two point game with 30 seconds to go that's better than everything we've gotten for 10 straight days jeez okay this has changed you you need to before you go full boomer on this what you really need to do is you need to go back and watch the 2005 finals between the Spurs and the Pistons where, I watched it where we have games that are 69-84 I watched it 74-81 that sounds great. A seven-point well, game. Eighty-one seventy-four sounds good. A seven-point game. Close in the fourth a 96, quarter. Ninety-six, ninety-five. Oh overtime my god! Yeah, yeah. I, th- we've been a week and a half without anything close to that. Dribble, 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 dribble. Feed the post. You mean they could have the same score at the end of the fourth quarter? Yeah, fair enough. I yes, those Pistons teams were miserable, but I would take close <laughs> games from them right now. Where thank God they didn't turn into a dynasty. Oh, that would have been brutal. They only got the one title. Yeah, they they had the won one like three they only and four won years. Oh, yes. what a terrible team to yeah, watch. Yeah, but the games were close. And at the time, I didn't think that was a big deal. I thought we'd just get that. Apparently not. How the hell did LeBron keep it close against those Golden State teams? No, well, it's LeBron. I mean, I mean, remember, Iguodala got an MVP because he held him to 25, 8, yeah. and 10. How'd that happen? That was the best three-point shooting team we'd ever seen. <laughs> And now it's like, oh, yeah, the Mavericks, sometimes they just catch these, fire and you just can't beat them. These games aren't even fun to watch. And I can't say no. that. I can't yeah. believe I'm saying that about the Eastern Conference. Well, no, not any, uh, about any of these any of these conference finals. They're not even fun to watch. There, has, there hasn't been a single fun That's game. That's even fun to watch. There have been a couple of moments where Andrew Wiggins dunks on Luka or the Warriors have their little five-minute stretch where they but can't they miss. But they just can't miss from three. But 
Other than that, it's been terrible. I don't. What What's the moment of the Eastern Conference Finals right now? The twenty two was it a twenty two two run? That was in game one. I don't even care about that anymore. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I saw Potter get like two to three close games to end the Eastern Conference. We Finals. keep saying that though, but we're not gonna. We, we keep saying that. We've said that you know after one, after two, after three, after four, and it just it's it's not happening. I mean, if the if the Heat go, <laughs> I don't know. They they don't score until three forty eight or whatever less in the in the first quarter last night. If they go home and blow them out, it's just going to be a complete disaster. If they go home and blow out the Celtics, I want to stop walking my dog during the game. Damn it! <laughs> I want to watch the whole thing. Is the other part that's frustrating is it's not like they're not giving them time to recruit like recuperate. It's not like the NHL right. playoffs where they're like, hey, you're playing a back to back. I don't care. It's you got a couple of days yeah. off. What the hell? It's been so bad that if a team like, oh, they cut the lead down to 14, you kind of pay attention. Like, oh, Well, yeah, because maybe they'll make a run and it'll oh, be close. They go on a 7-0 run to get it down to 14. Yeah. They do two more of those. We got a game. We got a game. They never do. It just stays You just got to hope it's a one-off. You just got to hope it's a, it's a it's, weird year and there's been a lot of injuries, especially one-off with the injuries as well. They, they need to get that under control. Well, that's a two or three-off because it happened last year, yeah. too. And... It happened a little bit in the bubble, but I guess that was a little expected because that was a weird year. But it's we've had three straight years where injuries have been a big factor in who's still playing at the end of the season. And that it's I don't know. I don't know what the NBA needs to do. Maybe they don't need to do anything, but there's two major problems, the injuries and zero close games, right? Zero. None of them. Not a single one of them. And if we get an NBA finals where there's no close games. Have you seen ratings? I haven't seen. I them. haven't. They've got to be terrible. Yeah, people are turning off. I, I mean, literally why, went and I saw the score and I went back to hockey. Yeah, why would you keep your television on the NBA game last right. night? I the only reason I did is because I have three TVs and I was like, eh, whatever. I don't just, have three, and I went back to hockey. Yeah, but like, why would you keep it on there? Like, just right. you go watch a baseball game. Come right. On. Go watch the Aces. Granted, there was a blowout too, but go watch yeah. the Aces or something like. Like I, I don't. There's there was zero reason. The the only reason to watch last night's game was to see how long Miami would go without making a shot. Right. And I was kind of hoping it last a whole quarter. I yeah. but literally when they scored is when I was like, all right, time to flip the PS4 over to actual video game. You know what? I, you know, watching the first quarter, I was sitting. I was like, this is like a first quarter score of like when UConn women's basketball beats up on. Prairie South View. Florida or whatever random right. bad teams in their conference that they have to play. And they're up like 21 to four right. at the end of the first quarter. And you're like, huh, these two teams aren't evenly matched, except this is the Eastern conference. Finals. Well, and I don't and, know. And the next game, Miami. Will right. I was going to say them off the court in a weird way. They are evenly matched because they just keep trading blowouts. <laughs> so you don't know which one's really better than the other one. All right. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're on one. I lost count. Dishwasher watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to the distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code distract for a free month of Stitcher premium. I wonder if SantaCon is the one thing that won't eventually get that reappraisal. Because I remember people used to stun on Guy Fieri like this. And at this point, he's like, everybody agrees that Guy Fieri is like the most important American. Mm -hmm. Like that if he ran for president as on either party with any platform, he would certainly win 60% of the vote. Yes. Uh, I would vote for Guy Fieri. Yes, in a heartbeat. I, that's a good <laughs> UNLV take. UNLV alum! That's a good take, Oh, David. that's right. He is local. Yeah. I, he, we've, he should be the mascot of UNLV. 
Hello? David, can, did you not hear anything? No, didn't hear a damn thing. What's happening? Oh. How's it going? I we played Jared. especially. Uh, Jared played some sound of you saying Guy Fieri would uh, win any presidential election for either party, and I that's a great take. I 100% agree. He has my vote oh, right yeah. now. Yeah, I think the idea of him, like, he's at the convention, and he's like, I'm Guy Fieri, and then the whole crowd says, and we're rolling out, that would be so inspiring. <laughs> That's so much better than anything that we're likely to get one way or the other. You know, one of them's like opportunity zones for some, and then the other one's just blood and soil fascism. All Guy Fieri wants to do is get, like, the best onion rings available. Yes. What's more American than that? All right, uh, please help us. How do we fix basketball so we can watch a close game for once? I have, we were talking about this this morning at work, and everybody's got an idea as to why it's bad. So people were going back and forth, they're like, it's too many threes, so like, if you're not making threes, you've got to take more threes, and then you lose. I feel like this whole, because like, the average margin of like, victory in the last like, three weeks of playoff games or two weeks of playoff games, it's like 20 points. There's been like, three close games the entire time. And I feel like it's got some element of, like, load management in it still. That like It's not exactly like teams are just running out garbage time the whole second half when they know that they're out of it. But there is, like, this sense where I think teams are, are maybe quicker to pull the cord than they would have been because everyone's so exhausted and because, like, every team has two guys that are basically hurt on it. But I don't know what, what you do. I mean, I can't imagine a rule change that makes anything better. But it's weird. Like I, we stopped. I was very excited for that game last night. We wound up watching the um, sixth episode of Tokyo Vice. Like when it was seventeen to one, <laughs> and I could afford to be the magnanimous husband and be like, you know what? Would you like to watch a streaming television program with me? <laughs> <laughs> like it's good for the brand, but I was kind of like, I sort of wanted to watch the basketball. But instead, uh, had to watch Sato try to get himself out of all the trouble he's in. If they said go old school and just take away three pointers, what would you say? I mean. I wonder what that would do, actually. I mean, like, it's not something I like a good three-pointer, you know, like, and I like the idea of watching Steph pull up from the logo and just put two points on the board, uh, which seems wrong to me somehow. <laughs> and yet that might actually have something to do with it. I mean, I think the real issue yesterday night, right, was that the Heat committed a ton of fouls. So they had, like, the Celtics had, like, 32 free throws, about a half or something like that. So that's just, like, that's sloppy play, you know, and a lot of the the other uh, blowouts that I've seen, it's just been turnovers. It's been more sloppy play. But yeah, if you had to change one thing, I think it would be the way that it, like that threes help a lead that would be sizable get out of hand so quickly. But I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like this is it's a really strange problem to have because it's. I feel like generally speaking, I think these are good series. Like if I had an impression of them, I'd be like, yeah, I'm enjoying watching them. And yet, like there's a lot of games where I'm really comfortable like skipping a quarter or where I just kind of bail early because I don't need to see like, you know, Luke Cornette take a bunch of uncontested threes <laughs> at the end of a Celtics <laughs> heat game. So yeah, there's definitely something not cooking right there. Uh, how many games do DeGrom and Scherzer pitch the rest of the year? <sighs> well, I'm still <laughs> holding out for 20 on DeGrom. I haven't heard anything bad yet. Although all the stuff that is out there, you know, it's like his scapula is you know, proceeding according to pace. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, I know what that means. That sounds good. Like, <laughs> no, this is a new injury to me. So, uh, and the Mets are still the Mets. The Scherzer thing, it's a normal injury that people recover from. The thing that made me nervous, is I, they initially said six to eight weeks. And this is like, it's a medium intensity oblique strain, which is like, 
That's not, you can't pitch without engaging those muscles. And six to eight weeks, everybody I saw was like, no, that's not, that's like way short. Um, and so if they're trying to do the Mets thing, like the famous Mets month, where you get to the end of the six to eight week time span and then just nothing happens for four weeks and there's no statement from the front office and then eventually they're like, oh yeah, like his whole, his side fell off. Like that was in early June. The whole side just <laughs> fell off. It was on the side of the road for like an hour and they had to go back and get it. Like that, if they're doing that still, I will be worried. As it is, I feel like with Scherzer, if he misses two months, if they finish the season with DeGrom and Scherzer in the rotation, they can win the World Series. That is what I'm telling myself. Uh, of course, they will have to make the playoffs first. And if Scherzer and DeGrom combined to start 25 games, then I don't think that will happen. But for now, sucks. they're yeah, still they're... banking wins. I don't even know how good they are, but like they're whatever, 12 games above 500 or something. Like but, I can't be too mad about it. But look at all the teams behind him in that division. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's still like... I mean, the Nationals aren't trying. The Phillies, I think, are going to get better. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that – I don't know that they'll be able to successfully run away with it, but it does feel like there's something to this. Like, they've played very well against the Phillies. They've played decently well against the Braves. Like, I think there's – those teams aren't necessarily that, that good. I just feel like the Braves are – you know, they won the World Series last year, and they're going to get healthier. I don't know that the Mets are going to win that division by 10 games. You know, like, I, I just can't imagine – because even still, right now, they're still getting by, you know, beating up on the Rockies and uh, having mysteriously good performances by David Peterson and guys like that. But I don't know. I'm trying, like, if it seems like I'm dancing around your very direct question, <laughs> which it's because I am. <laughs> like, I really don't. I Like, they've started seasons hot before, but it was always, like, because Todd Frazier was having like a, you know, three week burst of turning into Joe DiMaggio. I think they're really pretty good. I don't think they're this good. And I'm trying to avoid thinking about it too much. Do you believe so, the angels are actually good? I feel like the angels might be good. Uh, pitching wise. There's a lot of issues there. I just don't, I'm not sure that that holds up over the course of a season, but the, I love to see the offense being what it is. I think that like they were going to get, an offensive prospect that they developed right eventually. And it seems like Brandon Marsh seems like really good to me. That's a guy that I still don't know what the deal is with Joe Adele. And I really want him to be a star. He just seems like a cool guy to watch. And the tools are also awesome, but yeah, it seems like it's sort of working like that. If Jared Walsh is good and Brandon Marsh is good and Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are who they are, then like that's half of your lineup. That's really pretty excellent. And in a division where again, you've got, teams that aren't trying and then you've got the sort of I thought the Mariners would be better than they are but you've got like habitual underachievers like at the very least I think the Angels should make the playoffs which is something that um you know that happens once a decade but maybe it'll be a little different this time they've lost three straight but do you think the Yankees are that good no uh I don't know how they've managed to sort of smoke and mirrors their way to this so far uh they, I mean they are good but the like best record in baseball, good? Absolutely not to me. I mean, there's still a lot of like load bearing performance stuff where they like they really are relying on Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rizzo to do a lot of heavy lifting, and I don't think those guys are in a position to. I don't know that they're going to be healthy enough to do it over a whole season, and I don't know that they're that good. And so when I, I went to go see them, I uh, really haven't been to a Mets game yet this year, but I snuck away to go to a Yankee game couple of weeks ago in the middle of the day 
And it was, you know, like getaway day lineup, so you're not seeing the best that they've got. But, I mean, there's a lot of, like, Marwin Gonzalez in the monitors already for that lineup, and that's not, like, 100% what you want. really is not, like, best record in baseball stuff uh, help, to me. Help me out here. How do we blame Tony La Russa for the Tim Anderson versus Josh Donaldson uh, fight over the weekend? <laughs> I feel like we've got to give it time, you know, to let La Russa make the story about him. Uh, for now, I, it's weird because I've seen him getting criticized. Jason Whitlock wrote a like floridly psychotic column about him. Like I can't <laughs> recommend it, but it's the sort of thing where like it's that's a fifty one fifty checkup. Like it's not the sort of thing like if your editor as an editor, if someone files a column to you and they're comparing like Tony Larusa to um I think he said he he called him a groomer. Like it was like really the sort of thing that was he was in a flow state when he wrote it. Like there's not <laughs> thoughts. It's just like sort of like he's barfing out ten thousand hours of YouTube at you. Like, and so if that's like still where we are with this, like if it's the sort of thing where you have to find a way to make him the villain or whatever, like doesn't strike me as a very complicated story. Like basically this is like Josh Donaldson is, I mean, Joe Kelly called him a douche. Am I allowed to do it if I'm quoting Joe Kelly? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Community standards. This is Vegas. Douche is fine. All right, good. Yeah, I don't know. It's different here. (laughs) Like if I was on a morning show in Knoxville, Tennessee, I'd have to spell it out. Yeah, you guys are, it's all, we're all adults here. So, I mean, it's Josh Donaldson being Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson, like, using it as a motivational excuse. Like, the idea of that somehow this is a more significant thing or, you know, that it's now it's become like everything does. It's like, so Josh Donaldson probably did a racist thing there, but now the issue is like, is he a racist? Which is both not the question that's interesting and also not, a question that anybody's really qualified to answer. It's not important. Like the, the act was what it was. The punishment's probably a little bit light. That's it. Uh, but now we just have to wait for Tony LaRusso to, you know, find some way to, to get upset about it. The thing I kept thinking about reading that Whitlock column is that like LaRusso is just a normal old American. He's like just a Fox news grandfather, right? Like everybody's got them in their families. If their grandparents are you know old enough to be there, like, the idea that of him reading that column and being like, I'm sorry, what did you just call me? Jason Whitlock? Like, <laughs> like me, like this, like 76 year old Republican guy. But that's sort of, I think, but some of it's, you know, Whitlock's personal damage, but it's also just like, yeah, this is not, it's not his story. I don't know how it wound up being about him or is starting to become about him. All right. Just real quick. Still on Josh Donaldson. His nickname is the Bringer of Rain. What is the worst nickname in all of uh, in all of baseball, off the top of your head? I mean, Bringer of Rain is one of those ones where it's got it like seems like it should be cool, but it's not. It's got that sort of like lit. I mean, it's three words. That's like not a a nickname. You're not saving anybody any time there. <laughs> I could say your whole name in two words. But the uh, so I'm trying to think. The what my go to always was when Kevin Durant was trying to get people to call him the servant in basketball. <laughs> That's so bad. It's really bad. And especially because it was like, it, there was some other cooler ones. Like, they, like I think he was called the, he, bleh, let me try again. People were calling him the Slim Reaper, and he's like, I don't like that. What if you were to call me Dr. Nice? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just been, and it's like, the servant was, I mean, he was being real devout at that point. I'm trying to think of baseball ones that are, that are bad. There haven't been that many. 
I mean, so many of the the ones that pop into my head first are because the Yankees radio guy <laughs> likes to John Sterling likes to just sort of make up these extremely elaborate home run calls for guys. And so I think of those as nicknames when they're not, because it's really all like references to fifties musicals that are somehow about like Kyle Higashioka. Give me some, give me some bad baseball nicknames. I mean, Gary Sanchez as the Kraken is not great. No, come on. Where did he, who came up with that? He didn't come up with that. I okay. I, do you need me to Google while on the air? No, you do not need to Google Gary Sanchez nickname. Where come from? That's fine. I think we can all agree it's a bad nickname. But that, that feels like a marketing department thing where they were kind of like rolling it out, and they're just like, "You're the Kraken now," and he's like, "All right, man, sure." <laughs> like that doesn't feel like it's the product of I mean, it. That, that's algorithmic. All right, David. I look forward to learning the nickname of your dishwasher next week. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm. Um, not the servant. It's not doing anything. Uh, but we'll come up with something. <laughs> Thanks, guys. David Roth from Defector. David, we appreciate it. Thanks, David. Appreciate you, fellas. Bye. So there's David Roth. Coming up next, Jimbo Fisher. Still mad at Nick Saban. I'm asking you, did you re- did you do your research? Uh, you just No, no. See, you can't answer. So you just assumed. And that's the way this world goes now. As soon as it's written on social media and someone says it, you believe it. So where does that put you as guys as reporters? Where does that put coaches like Nick Saban, who know better, that, if, if that's the case? I, 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 where does that put reporters at? So you're defending Nick Saban? No, I'm just crazy. I'm asking you guys. Okay. Put it out in the media. <laughs> I'm at, I, I, just hold on. I ain't getting into this. Oh, no, no, no. I, I understand. But I just want to, is this change? It's because social media and media put it out. I got it. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Ah, what a <laughs> nut job. <laughs> Hold on, before we get to Jimbo and Nick Saban, I know who's bad at nicknames. Dusty Baker. Because oh, for the Astros? Two years ago, he kept calling like one of their rookie relievers El Nino. And that guy's back in the minors. He only pitched one the year. Child? And then this year, Jeremy Pena's their rookie shortstop, and he tried to call him El Nino. And somebody said, Fernando Tatis has already called that. You can't keep calling everybody El Nino. <laughs> So Dusty Baker has, if you are Hispanic at all and young, he is going to call you El Nino. And then somebody's going to remind him, all right, one of the most popular players in the game already has that nickname. You can't give it away to everybody else. So Dusty Baker, bad at nicknames because he's only got one. <laughs> there's only one nickname. And it has to be a Hispanic some, rookie. Yeah, yes. there's some, yeah, there's some like weird <laughs> race stuff in there that I don't think any of us should get into. But uh... Dusty Baker, bad at nicknames. Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he said yesterday that he still hasn't spoken to Nick Saban, uh, TV station in Texas, talked to him. And when asked if Saban has apologized, Fisher said, no, we haven't talked. The reporter followed up asking if he would accept an apology. And Fisher said, I said, we're not talking. Are they going to talk before the season starts? Well, again, we've talked about it before, uh, SEC Media Day, but you made the point if they split the days, they probably won't have any. I'll tell you what, if they split the days, then you can bet the SEC splitting those guys up. Yes. That's the last thing at their SEC Media Days they want is another confrontation. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they talk before the season. I, unless you're at Media Day, I don't know, you don't really have opportunities or desires to talk to other coaches. So they might not talk until – question is, will they have a 
midfield no. hello when they play each other in uh I think it's in Tuscaloosa. It is in Tuscaloosa. Um because usually that's what happens. The head coaches come together in midfield before the game, shake hands, talk a little bit, and then they go about their business. So that will be interesting because they'll both be around midfield when no, their teams are stretching. There's no way that's the first time they say something to each other. You think they'll call each other? Either they'll either they will talk to each other before they play, or if they haven't, they are not meeting each other at midfield before the game. It's not happening. If they haven't said anything to each other. They're just looking the other way. Between now and when they play each other in October, whenever right. that game it's October. is, there's no chance before the game they're meeting each other at midfield during pregame warm-ups. The only thing we'd get is after the game, the run towards each other, brief high-five, fake handshake thing, and then they yeah. run away. Yeah. But there, there's no chance the first time they talk to each other is on the field 60 minutes before the game kicks off. There's just, there's no, they either figure this out before or they're still angry and don't talk to each you other. You imagine the amount of cameras that'll be pointed oh. at that, at that uh, reunion. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. It's amazing. I don't know when they would, but then again, it would, it's going to take one of them calling the other because they're not around each other before yeah. the season. Other than the media day, once the media day ends, they're, they're off to their own right. teams. Right. I had this thought yesterday. I find it humorous that Nick Saban is mad that Texas A&M out-recruited him, right? right? Like, not that Texas A&M is some blue blood, but it's a power five school. It's an SEC team. That's really good. We just beat them. What would Nick Saban be thinking if, like, Boise State had had the number one recruiting class in the country? Like, if some... No, he didn't think there's something crazy right. going on, is or what like, he think. Or, like, in his own state, UAB recruited him. Right. My God, I want to oh. see his reaction to that. If, if you... If a, Look, he's mad at Texas A&M. If UAB has a better recruiting class in Alabama, we're all quitting the sport. <laughs> Do you guys remember uh, Alabama tried to get UAB football dissolved? Because they were like, well, it's the University of Alabama at Birmingham. They shouldn't exist anymore.